Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Today on NASCAR America, Martin Truex Jr. cements his spot among this season's elite. How did the 78 team separate themselves from the two titans who have been running through the field? Plus, all the post-race reaction as a full hour of NASCAR America starts right now. won twice this year, but I think it's fair to say there's been kind of a big two with, with Bush and Harvick. Is there a big three now? Can we can we kind of say that about you after today? Not if you want to. I think a lot of people do want to put Martin Truex Jr. in that group after a win at Pocono. Much more on the big three now later on in the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome in. Carolyn Mano, Parker Kligerman, and Landon Castle with you. Landon, you were in the race this weekend. First, let's get your thoughts. Yeah, well, Pocono's an interesting place, right? It, it's, it's long. It's one of two racetracks that I can drink out of my water bottle down the straightaway, <laughs> Indianapolis and Pocono. So I like shifting at that racetrack. It's a, it's a fun track to drive whether you're by yourself or in traffic. Parker, you were there as well. I was, and I got to watch Landon do those sorts of things, drink on the straightaway, which was uh, I didn't know you were doing, yeah. but you know, kudos <laughs> to you on doing that. That's pretty impressive to drive one-handed at 200 miles an hour. Uh, what I saw is a continuation of what we've seen a lot this season, that those I've considered a big three. You've got the four, the 18, the 78, and I would include Martin Truex Jr. in that group because those three, at most times of this race this past weekend, were two-tenths better than the field. It's impressive. It's incredible what those three are doing right now. Yeah. Okay. We are going to test out Parker's interview skills in just a minute because we put him to work this weekend. But first we have breaking news here on NASCAR America Go. Moments ago, Kyle Petty, our friend, tweeting that he and his wife Morgan became the proud parents of a baby boy. Overton Owens Petty was born on Sunday and Kyle says that baby and mom are doing great. So we're so excited. Yeah, yep. congratulations. That's fantastic news. A baby boy and everybody's healthy. So with that, let's go ahead and take a look back at some of the biggest moments from the race, if we can. It was certainly exciting over the weekend. And we're actually going to pick it up with 35 to go. Kevin Harvick, domination. That's nothing new. But on pit road, his crew gets beat by 1.6 seconds, Parker, and he had to get around Blaney on exit. Right, and that crew getting beat wasn't probably the biggest issue as much as Blaney, who had the pole. He had that preferred spot at the end of pit lane, but it really hurt Kevin. Yeah, went on to lose another spot on the restart. And then with 22 to go, this is kind of where things took a turn in the race because you'll see in a minute a big piece of debris bringing out the caution here. You can see it right there. And Landon, this really set up a split decision amongst leaders, whether to pit or not to pit. Yeah, and especially Pocono is one of those tracks where tires help you on restarts, but it's not so obvious like it is at a place like Atlanta. You know, clean air is still important. That's definitely a big piece of debris, though. <laughs> so 70 and 4 stay out, 18 pits. There was some strategy confusion on the 4 radio, though. Take a listen to this. Communication there, he said opposite. You can always count on that 78 staying out, though. Yes, you can, and that's pretty interesting because he probably did the right thing there staying out. 
but two drivers that did not do the right thing were Alex Bowman and Denny Hamlin here. You'll see them coming down the front stretch, and Alex will go to side draft the 11. He'll actually bump into him a little bit here as they get to the start-finish line. Then down into turn one, Denny gets loose and loses it, and it was so odd because he wasn't really getting squeezed by Alex. It wasn't like he was taking the air off his right side. Denny just lost it down there, Landon. So odd. Yeah, he was right on the yellow line, and it was right where you downshift. I don't know if that could have got us car upset. <laughs> Seven to go here, final restart. Truex throwing a big block on Kyle Larson, and he would hold on to win. Yeah, that's uh, really trying to get in front of that 42 and block the air so he can't suck up underneath here, get on your quarter panel. And that's a pretty good move right there. Kyle kind of gave him a little extra room, though, and, and the four got a run on the outside, but there it is for Truex. Man, I thought he could have maybe given the bumper a little bit, but <laughs> we'll hear more about that later in the show. It didn't quite work out for him. Martin Truex Jr. gets that second win. Truex in victory lane once again. The defending Monster Energy Series champion has had a solid year that has been overshadowed, of course, by the dominance of Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch, but still... On Sunday, he showed why he and the 78 team do have the crown. As we mentioned, Parker was with Truex in victory lane. Martin Truex Jr. wins his second race of 2018 with an awesome restart there at the end, holding off the 42 Kyle Larson. You threw the block there. Did you think he had a run? I just was trying to get in front of him, so he didn't get a run. Uh, you know, I'd seen that the four uh, or the 18, I guess, start restart third was giving 42 a pretty good shove. I was out clear of the four, uh, the, the four quite a bit, so I was afraid he was just going to pull back up to me. Um, so just block, you know, get down there and block some air. And then once uh, once I got in turn one, he had me pretty loose because he was pretty close to me. But once I got through that, it was uh, it was pretty awesome. Where he was going to give you the bumper? Uh, not really, no. I mean, Kyle and I race really really well together, really aggressively. Uh, we get after it. You know, we race hard. But, um, but clean and respectful. So he's a hell of a wheel man, and uh, I trusted he wasn't going to just jack me up and knock me out of the way. How much did you know about the 18 coming on new tires there at the end? Obviously, they pitted. You guys stayed out, took the track position. Were you worried that he would have more speed with the new tires? You know, I was worried at first, but once we fired off and I seen the lap times, I was like, oh, yeah, game over. You know, I mean, uh, our car was just really fast on scuffs, and we knew that from practice yesterday, um, and that's why we stayed out. It played in our hands. So um, that last run there before, the la you know, before some of those guys pitted, it was – you know, the 18, us, and the four, we were just all dead even. It, nobody could do anything. So um, I, I felt like once we got out front, our car was really, really good. So just uh, proud of everyone. It's been a, it was an awesome day, and uh, we had a little bit to overcome. seems like every week this week we're battling from, from behind. But, um, you know, that's what it takes sometimes, and it was a great day. Just You talked about the 18 and the four there. You're racing them. seems like you three are the cars to beat. It looks like it's almost a precursor to who you're going to be fighting for the championship. Is it it's something more indicative of when you're racing them, you're seeing things about them, learning things about what they're doing better, and especially over the last couple of weeks when they've been winning, you guys have been right there? Yeah, you know, I think for us, we uh, we honestly haven't really raced with them in quite a while. I mean, on a consistent basis, we've uh, we've been fighting back from penalties and bad qualifying efforts and uh you know just crazy things happening so uh things really haven't been going our way here lately but today obviously they did and and, and the strategy played into our favor and that's what it takes at this level you you got to have preparation you got to have the equipment you got to have the skill but you also have to have just a little bit of that lady luck on your side as well and um you know these races are hard, so hard to win so uh, i'm just proud of cole for for making that call you know, he never second guessed it, so we're staying out, and, uh, and it worked out for us. Is there anything you've noticed about those two cars that maybe they do a little bit better than you guys right now that you need to work on? You know, I think um, if I had to pick something, it would probably be just takeoff speed on restarts. I think they're just a little bit better at that, and I feel like we're just a little bit better in the long run. But you have to be in the right position to be able to take, take advantage of that long run, and today was the right position. You know, being able to stay out on tires. Um, knowing we were good good on older tires and, uh, and all that. So it worked out for us today. Um, 
all three of us are so close, though. I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be a hell of a battle all year long. It's going to be a lot of fun. Congratulations. Thank you, buddy. So, Parker, you were there spending some time with Truex. Is this win enough in your mind to cement him firmly in that camp with Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick? Because those are really the two that we have said all year long are untouchable. I believe it does, but I think we need to see more consistent runs like this out of the 78, more consistently challenging those two. As he said there, you know, there's been a couple times in the last couple weeks where maybe they've had the speed in the 78 car, but for whatever reason, there's been instances that hold them back from being able to really be up there and challenge the 18 and the 4. But I'd say that at the same token, he held off those two cars there late in this race. He had some incredible restarts. They obviously had the speed in clean air. So I think they are one of the few cars that you can say on a speed-to-speed basis, they are on par with those two cars. And that's the thing that's really going to help him is that with that speed, when they do the right things, when they execute correctly, he knows if they're in position, they can hold those cars off. Whereas you look at some others in the field, they can't do that. They just don't have the speed. Yeah, I mean, that's... Now you've got three out of the four for Homestead. Maybe if we had to line them up right now, what would they do? That's always an interesting question. I think Kyle Larson kind of wedged himself in there uh, yesterday with three of the fastest cars. That was an interesting finish. I think um, it's it's it was cool to me to hear Martin know that they were good on scuffed tires too. I was I was very impressed with that. That was something I didn't catch earlier. Uh, you you put scuff tires on in happy hour. You see your takeoff speed, and it, that might have been one lap that they saw on Saturday that that gave Cole Pern the confidence to say, "I know I can get Martin out front, cut that lap, and and clear the lead very well." That's right. really interesting because that's you know just thinking about making that decision. That's probably the the genesis of it is practice, which we don't right. always talk about. Exactly. I mean, you you he might have used those stickers on Friday for a qualifying run and send Martin Martin out on Saturday on one lap tires and still had a really good lap time so you know Cole knows what's up he's pretty good about that stuff and like I said earlier he you can almost always bet on him staying out anyway so maybe that's just the way he justified it basically all right so if you have these three drivers who are in this you know exclusive category and later on in the show we're going to mention who may be fourth if it is Kyle Larson if it is somebody else I don't know that we've made you know that decision yet we still need to see. see more we'll talk about that later but you mentioned execution coming down to just doing all the little things right. What ultimately kept Kevin Harvick from being able to get the job done this weekend? Well, that was a really interesting thing that happened in this race. And I believe that the four car, and I, I found it fascinating that uh, Martin said that he felt like on the long run, he was better than the four and 18 because from my position in the media center at times and from viewing outside the track, I saw the four car is best from lap 15 onwards in a run. That's where he's really beating the 18 and the 78 and most of the field. And what happened later in the race was when he lost the lead and got forced to the inside on these restarts where for every reason, the inside was not as good. You almost had, were going to give up one position each time you started on the inside compared to the outside. He was not given enough light laps to go up there and challenge the 78 because I believe his car for whatever reason is just great on the long run I think it's actually some things that Kevin is doing within the car that are helping that I think it's some of the driving style things that he's doing in there and I believe that's what really held him back from winning this race so it was a compounding set of things one they got behind on the pit stop that put him on the inside of a restart and then there just wasn't enough laps and that's how Kevin Harvick ultimately gave up the race and he really to to further your point he really must have a better car in the long run because 
I was in that race yesterday, and I really thought if I could be on the inside on a restart, I thought I was better. I thought there was more grip down on the bottom. You could kind of follow the yellow line. I like driving it straight off a of turn one in third gear. Uh, the only thing about being on the outside that Kevin was probably shooting for and what he wanted was it's easier to side draft people from the outside. The tail is moved over to the right on their cars. The spoiler is kind of over there closer. You can really get onto somebody and slow them down and get that run on the backstretch. So that's definitely what Kevin was looking for. Uh, but man, when I got on the outside yesterday, it was really slick. So uh, I guess maybe it could have been different further up in the field for that preferred groove. And that's an interesting point. I, I think that's the part that he's talking about with the how much they struggled on the inside was that it's that first restart portion on that long straightaway where you're having to side draft. You know, there's not many right. racetracks that we go to where from when you start at the start finish line, there's a whole straightaway that you're going to get to fourth gear and almost the top of fourth gear by the time you get to turn one. So you are actually side drafting each other and dumping that air on the spoiler of the inside right. car, and that's what allows that outside lane and, to be faster. And just like race car drivers, in this, we have both used our hands yes, to signify the whole cars. <laughs> so side drafting, get this shot right that's, here. This is side drafting. This is getting on the quarter panel and slowing them down. Race car drivers, they use their hands as cars when so they're talking universal about universal language it. I knew, in I knew yep. you started to giggle about something. I <laughs> you didn't sure know where I was, was going but with honestly, that. But honestly, a couple months back, you were using Q-tips to show me. Remember oh, that? Yes, in, I do remember that. Yes. He's, got a, he's like, let me show you with a bunch of Q-tips. So it's just something that drivers do. Um, we got to visualize it, as, it, as it relates to Kyle Busch, we did see that debris caution that ultimately changed the face of the race. Um, Kyle Busch had the lead at that point. So here's what he had to say about what happened with this caution. Uh, there was a caution in turn one for what looked to me to be a, a shoe booty. Um, somebody took their booty off, I guess, and chucked it out their window. So that was kind of uh, weird that we saw a caution for that. But um, safety comes first. So... That just uh, kind of derailed our strategy, if you will, and we fought hard for the finish and uh, tried to get the most out of what we could there and just couldn't pass. A shoe booty. So Kyle Larson, as you can see, joined uh, the other Kyle in the media center afterwards. He had a different take on it. Listen to what he had to say. I hit it. It hit my windshield. Okay. It was a big piece we'll of see. <laughs> Claire's like, Kyle saw a shoe booty. I'm like, he needs to get his eyes checked. <laughs> <laughs> Great reaction there from Kyle awesome. Bush. Honestly, just did not know what to say in front of the media at that moment. Um, so a shoe booty, obviously, <laughs> is, is as it sounds. It's part of a shoe. That um, I, I think there's a scaling difference, though, because that was definitely bigger. And I love seeing Larson, like, totally break Kyle Bush loose from the typical Kyle post-race in the media center where he's talking. And then he's just like, what are you talking about, man? And he cracks a <laughs> smile and they're laughing, but he still didn't believe it. I hope he saw a replay because it was definitely a piece of sheet metal. But a shoe booty is something you put on your heel to kind of shield from the heat inside the car, and it's silver, uh, it's like metallic. Yeah. yeah. So it has a reflective quality. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I don't wear them. I, I don't. I don't. My I've, feet don't get hot in the car. I've worn them on off, but yeah, that's the funniest part. Is like a shoe. That thing is so much bigger than a shoe booty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You'd have to have a huge foot to wear that piece of metal. I don't know. Oh, no, no driver has that. All right. With that, uh, we do have more to come on today's show outside of Booty Gate. We are going to see NASCAR's big three, Harvick, Kyle Busch, and Truex. Which driver and team is closest to making it a big four? I don't know that we necessarily all agree on that. We're also going to go through the field to highlight a few other solid performances in Sunday's race, including a top 10 effort for Chase Elliott. And Parker and Landon are going to show us why the best drivers ended up at the front of the field on Sunday. Stay with us. And also, don't forget, at 6 Eastern here on NBCSN, it's NHL Live heading into tonight's Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Final over on NBC. Dale Earnhardt Jr. 
going to be a special guest as you get set for face-off between the Golden Knights and the Capitals. So make sure you're there for that as well. This week, it is the return of Wednesdays with Dale Jr. at 5 Eastern. And with that, we thought, we'll show you some of the best moments we've had so far with the two-time Daytona 500 champ. It is Wednesdale, Morby Longa. I'll go with hockey player. It's an oak oh. table. Which Dale shares, <laughs> shares a birthday with Pro Football Hall of Famer Brett Favre uh, Jr. Dang. Wow. We all had the same moment one time. <laughs> We're in the same race. He's got all afternoon to hang out with us in Victory Lane. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be great. He comes in the window and he's like, uh, good job. Proud of you. Uh, you're going to have to ride home with the team. <laughs> I'm getting out of here. I'm going to get out of here. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Well, if you love racing, I hope you're with us this weekend. After winning the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness, can undefeated justify win the 150th running of the Belmont Stakes to become just the 13th horse to complete the Triple Crown? Our coverage begins this Saturday at 4 Eastern on NBC. This part of NBC Sports Championship season presented by Canada Dry. I cannot wait. Meantime, this day in NASCAR history brings us back to 2007 and Dover International Speedway driving for Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. Martin Truex Jr. had the dominant car, leading a race-high 216 laps to earn his first career Cup Series victory. It would take Truex another six years before he would visit victory lane again at the Cup level. It's not easy to win at NASCAR's highest level. And with that in mind, let's go through the field for a closer look at some of Sunday's notable performances. We just lost the track position of, of the lead and, and we lost control of the race and, and that's really what uh, kind of did us in there because then we started second then we started third and, and lost a spot on each restart as, as you start on the inside but our bush forward was really fast the guys did a really good job and when you're racing uh, the 18 and, and 78 you get you're splitting hairs and and uh, you know they were just better than us on pit road today I don't know if it was the overcast skies or the different tire that we had here today, but tires didn't mean anything. We couldn't get back up through there. We couldn't get back up to those guys and, and didn't have any advantage. The fresh rubber didn't mean anything today. So um, that was frustrating and disappointing, but uh, we were on the flip side of that situation here last year, and we didn't pit and take tires, and we lost the race. So, um, you know, you're, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. I don't know what I needed to compete with the 78, the 18, the 4 all day. Uh, I thought I was a 6 or 7th place car kind of at best today, but uh, I, you know, I felt like I had a shot on that last restart maybe to get them loose and a 1, and uh, I did, but I also got loose kind of at the same time, so I had to try and get back up and block the 4 on exit and, and then you know stay, stay ahead of those guys by uh, exiting low on the bottom. You know, I felt like we've been close. I mean, it's crazy, you know, you worried about how you're running and you sit here and we've run finished second second first so it's not that bad I guess but you know we've definitely been a step you know half step at least behind those guys and and uh, to kind of be up straight up with them all day today and and be pretty equal to them all day and and uh, to get to victory lane feels really good so here's a look at some other notable finishes as well. Another top five run at the Tricky Triangle for Brad Kozlowski, Matt Kenseth earning his best finish in the six car and David Reagan coming home 16th for Front Row Motorsports. You also saw Chase Elliott here. Um, he was really happy with the weekend. This is what he tweeted after the race. 10th doesn't show it, but felt like we had our best race of the year today. Excited about the improvements and looking on to Michigan. I'm actually very excited about this, Parker, because I chose Chase Elliott in my top five for fantasy. Oh, I wow. had a feeling, I don't know why, 
that he was going to have a good weekend, and it seems like he was happy with the results. Well, it's a continuation of what we saw from Hendrick Motorsports, especially of Jimmy Johnson at the Coca-Cola 600, with Jimmy running so well there. And I think a lot of people wondered, all right, are we starting to see them figuring things out? You know, the beginning of the season has been abysmal for Hendrick Motorsports in a lot of ways. And then they go to Pocono, a place that really will expose, as Landon said, the weaknesses of these cars, and they were able to run up front and have the speed. So I think that's why he's so excited about this run. Although it's a 10th place finish, all 400 cars looked really strong, including William Byron, who was in his first cup start in at Pocono. So I think when you look at all four of them running up there, being just outside the top 10, that's why he's so excited about it. Yeah, I mean, you, you can leave a place like Bristol and have a good race, uh, but feel like, man, I, I think I made up for it. I don't know if our car is better. Or, man, the car was better than me. I just made some mistakes. Sometimes my wife doesn't ever know if I'm happy after a race <laughs> or not because I don't know if it was a – she can't tell if it was a quality weekend or not. For Chase to leave Pocono and say this was our best performance of the year tells a lot to me at Pocono because that just means that they have made real legitimate progress on their cars at Hendrick. And also in the past, he's a young driver that's been really hard on himself. So good to hear yes. himself give himself an attaboy, sure. I guess, because normally we hear everything to the contrary. So uh, let's talk about another one of those drivers, Clint Boyer. He also tweeted, this one was a little bit rougher. Sick to my stomach, let my team down today, had a fast car and completely blew it. Missed a shift on the last restart and ruined our day. Yeah, that's ouch. a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> We've all missed shifts at some point. It's, that's really tough because you get down the end of the race, especially the race he was having where, you know, when you a lot of times looked, he was kind of that fourth place car for a lot of this race. And maybe it was solid top five. And I heard his crew say at one point, we will not finish outside the top ten in this race Ooh. because they just had such a fast <laughs> car. And then he makes this mistake at the end. So, I mean, I feel for him. You've been, yeah. We've all been there where you've done everything right. And then it's one little mistake that you make. And it ruins the entire Is it day. easy yep. to miss a shift? Uh, it well, I was I was watching that clip and thinking uh, that that shift down the backstretch is a third to fourth gear shift. For me, it's it, it's a really fast shift, and especially late in the race, he's trying to get that top five finish. You almost are not even lifting completely out of the throttle. You're maybe lifting to 10% and then going right back to wide open as as quickly as you yep. can, and you miss that timing just by the littlest bit. Uh, and there you go, rev the engine. I mean, unfortunately, he didn't blow the whole thing up. He was able to finish the race, but I, I was behind him when that happened. And the next lap, when he kind of got it gathered up for the last, to the end of the race, he drove crazy <laughs> trying to get to the front, <laughs> bounced it off the wall off of turn three. I could tell he was frustrated yeah, about something. Yeah, it looked like yeah. he was going to have a really good day, which is something that you predicted on NASCAR America as well. There was another driver who had shifting issues, different kind of shifting issues. That was Bubba Wallace. Here's what he had to say after the race. Another dead straight face response from the king. We're going to get you an automatic <laughs> transmission. Oh, explain. Oh, okay, so he's going to need some aloe from that one. So I, I was going to say that there's there's two ways to end your day uh, missing a shift. And really with Clint's deal, there's three ways. Uh, the way number one is you miss a shift, but you don't break anything. Uh, way number one, uh, two, you miss the shift and you over rev the engine and then you shove it into gear and it breaks the transmission because the engine is yeah. turning 10,000 RPM. The other way, and I found this out uh, by texting his spotter this morning. I said, hey, what happened? Did you miss a shift? He said, no, actually, we didn't miss any shifts. He got it perfectly from third gear to second on the restart, <laughs> which let me tell you, you don't want to go from third gear to second when you're accelerating because that is kablamo inside yeah. the engine. That's there you go. The valves hit the cylinders and everything just goes destructive inside there. So. How great is that response from the king, though? Oh, man, he's on it. I love it. Yeah. He's so on his He will game. put you in your place. Now you, now you know, as a young driver or anyone driving, for yeah. the king. Yeah. That's you a you tough will not get anything by him. 
Yeah. That's a tough way to end it, though, because as a driver, you can spin out and back it into the fence. And, and a lot of times your team will pat you on the back and be like, man, you're giving it all you got. Sure. When you miss a shift, it's it's like uh, missing yeah, it's a like... free throw or something like that. I don't, I don't, maybe not <laughs> even that. It's, you, you don't even want to show your face. It's like, yeah. is there a way out of here that I can <laughs> just, just like get out the, the side? <laughs> it didn't stop him from doing a little bit of trash talk, though, on social media afterwards. I don't know if you guys caught this. You'd have to go into the comments section uh, of Ryan Blaney's Instagram. So basically what he did here was post that his parents were able to make it to the race last minute, which was really cool. And then if you look into the comments section, Bubba Wallace said you could have at least gotten them a dub, meaning a W, <laughs> a win. And then Blaney shoots back. You could have at least not missed a shit. Oh, yeah. well, I don't know if anything burn. could hold Bubba back from I, uh, some trash talking yeah, on course. social. Yeah, That's just another burn. So he had two burns, that, or three, really, if you yeah. consider the missed shift. That, that's just not Bubba's day. Yeah. Oh, he needed man. to go to sleep and wake up. Hopefully his Monday was better. Yeah. All right, we're going to leave the guys over here because coming up we are going to hand the floor over to Parker and Landon for a driver-to-driver -driver chat. They're going to go further into Sunday's race and how Pocono challenges all aspects of your performance. That's when NASCAR America comes back. Stay with us. The good news is there was a lot of momentum uh, within the industry and internally to say we think we might have something here. Um, what could we do? What would we need to do to further evaluate that for 2019? And in those discussions, uh, the idea of running it uh, in this season came up. And so that's really where we are is, is looking at uh, is that possible? What would it take to do that? But, yeah, our goal is, is not to touch the playoffs. NASCAR's Executive Vice President Steve O'Donnell there on NASCAR potentially using the All-Star package in additional cup races this season and also how that will relate to the playoffs. A similar package ran in Saturday's Xfinity race. If you're watching that, it's also going to run again next week in Xfinity at Michigan. But for more on Sunday's race, let's go back over to Parker and Landon now. What do you guys got? Well, you know, the thing about Pocono is it really showcases your strengths and your weaknesses, as we said about Hendrick Motorsports. So I want your opinion on why that is. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's the size of the racetrack. It is so huge. It takes 55 seconds to make a lap, uh, roughly. Maybe a little bit quicker than that for someone uh, <laughs> like, like Martin Truex Jr. But it's such a big racetrack that you have to get down to long straightaways with lots of horsepower. And then you have one corner on one end that has a lot of banking. You carry a lot of speed. And you have other corners where you have to have really good hands. Handling. So there's aero, there's mechanical aspects of it. And at the end of the day, it exposes your weaknesses. You look at someone like Kevin Harvick right here. When you talked about him having the field covered by two tenths, that's two car lengths a lap, right? Yep. Think of how that compounds lap after lap. On someone like Ryan Blaney, a really good car, but there's two car lengths right there, how he can just suck right up on him, better handling through the corner, off of turn three, and here's that horsepower. They're both Fords, right? They're yep. both strong, but when you have that platform right and the arrow right, he's going to have more straightaway speed, get to the end of this straightaway right here. I can't even talk and get my thought done because the straightaway is so long, Parker. <laughs> and into turn one, you see him gap him again right there in the middle. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is that you said it best. You know, in, if you make a tenth in each corner, that's three tenths over the whole lap. Yeah. Now, if you make a tenth on each straightaway as well, that's six tenths, and that's what he was able to do right there. Look at the gap he has on the yeah. twelve right there. And that's again, incredible. Think of each tenth as a car length, and yeah. then just visualize how that compounds on itself over and over and over again, and lap this, after lap. And this is the best example. That's where he started off into turn three, yep, yep. and coming out of turn one, that's how far ahead he is of the twelve car in yep. just that little bit amount of time. You cannot hide at Pocono with any deficiency, whether it's horsepower, arrow, handling. There's no getting away from somebody who's better than you. And that's why those guys ran up front. Another guy that ran up front, I got to speak to after the race. Let's take a listen from Kyle Larson. 
I was actually happy that he did that because I knew it would mess his angle up into one and um, it would allow me to get a better opportunity to, to um, you maybe get to his bumper or get a arrow loose or, or something. So um, I tried. I just uh, was maybe I, I could have went in a little harder than I did. Just wasn't able to give him the bumper then? I wasn't really trying to give him the bumper. I was just trying to get close enough to him. I feel like if you can get close enough to him, it makes more of an impact than even when you get to their bumper. And what Kyle and I were talking about there was the block that Martin Truex Jr. threw on him there. Coming off the restart, he saw that he was way ahead of the four, and the 42 had a little bit of a run, so he's going to move down and try to block that 42 all the way down. And then you heard Kyle say he was excited about this because it ruined Martin Truex's angle into turn one, so he felt like he could get right to the rear bumper of the 78, but he doesn't hit him. He felt like maybe he could make a bigger difference by just getting him loose, and it doesn't work out. Yeah, I mean, you would think that maybe a little bump could help, but these bumpers are really solid, and this point of view from the four car is a really good one because if Kyle would have just hit a dead thud right in the middle of the corner on that 78, it would have slowed him down enough that the, that the four car... I know Kyle was looking in his mirror. Yep. That four car could have had a big run and maybe passed them both off a of turn two. And we don't need that four car <laughs> to have clean air in front of us. And Kyle knows that. So definitely good move. Kyle had to go for a backup plan because when the 78 blocked him, you yep. know, it took away his chance of drafting by him into turn one. And a lot of ways he was just playing defensive. But the thing that really stuck out to me, Carolyn, is that the old bump and run might not be the best way to get things done at Pocono. Hey, look at that. Learning new things every day. All right, more from Parker and Landon tomorrow, including a candid conversation about the back half of the field. That's going to be great. Here's what else is on tap for tomorrow, too. Parker and Landon are both going to get behind the wheel of the iRacing Simulator. That should be absolutely Whoa. spectacular. Big money segment. <laughs> yeah, we're also going to have the best sound from Sunday's Race of Scandal, Pocono, and Sirius XM's Pete Pistoni stopping by with his weekly take on all things NASCAR. So a great show tomorrow as well. In the meantime, coming up, the 2018 Cup season has been dominated by the big three of Bush, Harvick, and Truex. But is there room for a fourth at the table, and who is it? Kyle Larson's going to weigh in on that when we come back. Previously, in the Stanley Cup Final. Inside the building, pack. Capitals go to Knights. We are set to go. Game three. Carlson started on to Kuznetsov. Deep slot. Threw one in front, directed right on goal, and a stop by Flurry. And then a 316 pawn away, and then another shot off the frame. And another shot again. I love the goal, four, five, six chances maybe to keep that thing alive and finally it ended up in the back of the net. Carried up in a two-on-one, a three-on-one. Walk back on by Kuznetsov. Scores! Two, nothing, Washington. It is Holtby giving it up. Score! What a giveaway. He tries to get a little too cute. The quick forecheck by Belmar and a wide open net. He should have just kept going along the boards. On his strength, Theodore to play it. Jay Beagle took it away, got it to Smith Pelly, he scores! Great hustle by Jay Beagle. Look at Smith Pelly. Patience, top shelf up flurry. I love scoring the big goals, and uh, these kind of games obviously are the best to play. Jay Beagle is sent back out to center, and the Capitals are going to take a 2 to 1 lead, winning it. They defeat the Vegas Golden Knights by the score of 3 to 1 in game three to win their second straight. 
What an incredible series it has been so far, and they're going to be rocking the red in Washington, D.C. The Capitals looking to take a 3-1 series lead over Vegas in the Stanley Cup Final, adding some extra star power to tonight's Game 4. It's going to be Dale Earnhardt Jr. He's going to join the NHL Live crew. Our coverage begins immediately following NASCAR America at 6 p.m. right here on NBCSN, so do not go anywhere. Also this week, it is the return of Wednesdays with Dale Jr. at 5 p.m. Eastern right here on NBCSN. One hour every Wednesday, full of stories and a lot of fun from Junior. Candid conversations on some of the sport's biggest topics. You know he doesn't hold back, so make sure you're with us for that. How likely do you think it is that the four guys that finish the top four are likely to be at the championship racers at Homestead in November? I'm good with that. <laughs> I'm good with it. <laughs> Let's do it. Three of those guys are definitely uh, head over heels better than the rest of us, but, you know, I think from fourth to sixth or seventh best car, it's pretty close. Larson can virtually guarantee a playoff spot with a win at Michigan on Sunday, by the way. He's won the last three there. But look at this for a minute. Since the playoffs in non-plate races, look at the dominance between these three drivers. Is Kyle Larson a lock for you to be added to this group? Is there somebody else out there? What are your thoughts on, on a potential big four? Well, I actually would put Brad Keselowski and the two-team ahead of Kyle Larson and the 42-team, and for one simple reason, and that is what you saw them do this past Sunday at Pocono, which is that they did not have the best car. They probably had, an all, with all things I looked at, maybe the 10th best car speed-wise, but they were able to use some really offset strategies, Brad and Paul Wolf, which they are known for. They've done this before. That is how they won a championship back in 2012, and through doing that, they got themselves into a top-five position with a car that should not have been in the top five. And I think that's the type of thing that through the course of the season and through the playoffs is going to allow them to go and be a part of that championship four. Because if they went straight up on speed, no, I don't think they have it right now. But they are the ones that can outsmart some of the cars that are maybe a little bit quicker. What do you think, Landon? Uh, if we're talking about speed and if we're talking about championship four, I'm going to go with Kyle Larson. I, I want the speed. I like I like the strategy. And you're absolutely right. I think Paul Wolf is one of the the most cunning crew chiefs in the sport but for homestead new tires at the end of the race the strategy is pretty obvious get yeah. the best tires on your driver's car and let the speed take over and i, I could see kyle larson rim riding him his way to a championship there but it's 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 definitely a tough debate and we got a long ways to go even hey well, I, I was I, gonna bring up the playoffs because that's its own animal as well right you've got tracks that flatter certain drivers sure. yep. driving style and you know kyle larson at homestead is just he's an animal there well i didn't say the two car would win the championship. I said he would be a part of the championship. <laughs> and four. we were just talking oh, because he was also part of it this past year, and he was not much of a factor. I just and said since, he would get there. Since Parker gets to walk back his statements, <laughs> as long as Kyle Larson doesn't knock the fence down, <laughs> yes. running the high side for 400 miles. I didn't tell you. These either. are some great predictions for you out there. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, yeah. I did not tell either of you that you got I to walk anything back. <laughs> no, but it's but, all on tape. Okay, so what we what we know right now, aside from these ridiculous prognostications, is that you got. Three drivers who historically are doing something very special in Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, and Martin Truex Jr. So you look at the current version of the big three, they have combined to win 11 races so far this year. Since the start of the modern era in 72, that is tied for the fourth most by a trio through a season's first 14 seasons. So basically, you have to go back to the mid-70s to find a more dominant trio at this point. And the thing that intrigues me about this is you look at Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, and, and I'll put Martin Truex Jr. in there as well. Where are his teammates in all of this, Landon? Because we talk about big organizations with lots of money and good manufacturing and all this stuff, and you've got drivers like Denny Hamlin and Eric Almirola and some other guys that are not even sniffing 
what these guys are doing. Well, there's definitely a lot of continuity in the Denny Hamlin umbrella and 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 Kyle Busch and Adam Stevens. Um, or the 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 there's continuity with those drivers and their crew chiefs. You know, I, I look at Kevin Harvick with Rodney Childers. I look at Martin Truex with um, with Colpern and and. There's there's continuity there that gives them advantage over their teammates. The concentration of success, I kind of attribute to manufacturers. I think that Toyota has a high concentration of support to the JGR Furniture Row camp. I think Ford has really concentrated um, a lot of effort in the Penske and Stuart Haas organization, but a lot in Stuart Haas as well. And they both have one engine shop. I think that's a big advantage over Chevrolet, where Chevrolet has two engine shops. There's a more spread out concentration. And if you look back at the 70s, I'm kind of bringing it back together here. Oh, if you we'll look back at the 70s. I'm getting I, nervous. We were going down a manufacturer rabbit hole. Well, Get I us think out there of was here. A, a high concentration of manufacturer support at, that, at the higher end at, with Richard Petty and Cale Yarbrough and David Pearson. And I actually posed this question to some of our researchers earlier today because I was wondering, when is the last time we've seen such domination, such a lack of parity? Because I believe what's made NASCAR so ex exciting and popular over the last 20, so 25 years or so was the parity that you'd see. You'd see so many different drivers and teams have a chance to win. And right now we're seeing a domination out of a couple few. And so I actually think we have some of the best researchers in the business to be able to go all the way back to the 70s and find that this is you know unprecedented in, in now time in modern times and what I would consider modern times compared to the 70s, sorry. I but, would say that this is maybe a good thing for the sport to have well, dominant drivers in the playoffs that it's not like you got one LeBron James or something like that. I mean, there's a couple guys in the yeah, mix. You no? want them to get the credit for it, though. I mean, I, I I loved watching Jimmy Johnson win seven championships. I wanted to see him get the credit for that because that is astounding. That's why people love watching LeBron James. That's why they love Tiger Woods. I can only imagine how hard it is for those teammates. I talked about the continuity with the teams and the crew chiefs. I can I can imagine how hard it is for those teammates to see, hey, I have all the tools. You look at Eric Amarola. I have all the tools. I have all the equipment. I'm new to this team, and I'm doing pretty darn good. I rode on the truck with him before the race on Sunday, and, and I said this exact same, same thing. I'm like, dude, you're doing a pretty darn good job, but you're, how is your teammate a half second faster than you <laughs> and winning five races already? And, I mean, his response is like, you know, they're – I'm doing the best that I can, <laughs> yeah. and we just have to kind of get there. And, I, I, you know, one thing that's really stuck out to me, and I think what's happened here is you have three drivers who – driving styles really suit what has happened rule-wise within the sport and how the cars are being, what we've done with the packages and such and how you need to drive them. And there's three drivers that it really suits them. And one that really sticks out to me is Kevin Harvick. His style and what he's told me before about how early he's lifting off the gas and what he's doing inside that car is allowing him to do things with that car that others aren't and others are figuring out. And I actually yeah. talked to Kurt Busch a couple weeks ago and he told me that that was something he was working on, was trying to change his style. I spoke to Jimmy Johnson, he said the same thing to me. I'm having to change my driving style because of what's happened with these cars. And so what I think it's a combination where you have some of these super teams that are putting out some of the best cars. And those couple drivers in Martin Truex, Kyle Busch, and Kevin Harvick, it suited their style that they were already doing. And therefore, everyone else is now in a position like Denny Hamlin and Eric Amarol to have to catch up. They're having to change what they naturally already do to catch those top three. So uh, we'll see if it happens no, over time. No, it's great insight from you both, honestly, with what's going on this season. Uh, coming up, we are going to revisit the IndyCar Series doubleheader in Detroit. Scott Dixon continued his ascent in the record book Saturday, but it was Ryan Hunter Race celebration on Sunday that had everybody talking. We'll show you more of what we're talking about when we come back.
NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Welcome back to the show, everybody. IndyCar ran a pair of races at Detroit over the weekend. Graham Rahal swept there last year, but he crashed on Saturday at lap 47. No such trouble, though, for Scott Dixon, who claimed his 42nd career victory, tying Michael Andretti for third place all time. Yesterday's second race started with a bizarre pace car crash in front of the field. Luckily, the driver and the passenger were not seriously injured. It was a bizarre scene, though. Fast forward to seven laps to go. Ryan hunter Ray pressured leader Alexander Rossi into a mistake at turn three. And hunter Ray took the lead, went on to win his first time since 2015. Scott Dixon and Ryan hunter Ray are in the thick of IndyCar's championship chase, which continues next weekend on the high banks at Texas Motor Speedway. You can catch it Saturday night at 8.30 Eastern right here on NBCSN. And we stick with IndyCar to lead off our social pit stop of the day. After finishing second in Saturday's race at Detroit, Hunter Ray made a bet with the local media. If he won yesterday's race, he'd go for a dip in the fountain at Belle Isle Park. He did and it. ride the lion. Yeah. Look at this. This is extra. Just uh, <laughs> climbing right up on that thing. Said it was freezing, but oh, so rewarding. Oh, no, I do that, and they kick me out. <laughs> Um, there are some big differences between racing in a public park and racing at Pocono. Look at this. A lot of shifting. Yeah. yeah. No Michael McDowell <laughs> sent out this tweet. Lots of shifting. Aww. No blisters for me. You know, it's like a, my golf instructor when I was a kid told me, you got to hold it like as a baby bird in your yeah. hand. Is that it's right? gentle, yeah. Is that Lighten you up your grip a little bit there, Michael. Light, a little aggressive. Light grip. No knuckles on it, uh, Michael. If you're listening, you're probably not. Hey, by the way, speaking of kids, oh. it appears that your son Becca made a new friend. Yeah, this was at the airport. And he wears this shirt all the time. And he has the classic Winston <laughs> pictures in his room. And he looked at the king at the airport like, I've seen this guy before. I know who that Are is. Are you serious? Yes. And, and, and the king was so nice to him. And Beckham looked at him. He's like, king? Because he, no. he, he knows he's the king. And he, yeah, he looked at him like he knew exactly who he was. It was adorable. That was That's the same so look cute. Bubba Wallace was giving him after the race. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Or me pretty much every time I see That's him in the, the garage. That's the funniest thing you've ever said on this show. Wow. This Sometimes is, I get funny. This is a great day. Uh, all right. So we're going to uh, throw a quick break here. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. I, I won today, too. Milestone show for Sunday, Martin Truex Jr. reminded us he is the reigning Cup Series champion. How is it possible, though, that the 78 is racing with a chip on their shoulder? They just might be. Answers next. making their way to Capital One Arena on this beautiful summer afternoon in Washington, D.C. Coming up at the top of the hour, it's NHL Live from Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Final. And we'll talk live with the newest member of our NASCAR on NBC team, Dale Earnhardt Jr. He is here in D.C. And we'll get you set for a key game between the Golden Knights and the Capitals. Two-hour pregame here on NBCSN, followed by game coverage on NBC at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. We'll see you then, but for now, back to NASCAR America. Martin Truex Jr., he is all alone. He will win at Pocono Raceway in the Pocono 400. Josh Shiplett, I'm the tire carrier. We had a pretty solid day on, on pit road, minus one stop. We got behind there, uh, had a miscue, but really picked it up after that. We had good timing with it happening early in the day and not late in the day, so Martin drove a heck of a race. The car was crazy fast, so it ended up working out for us. 
Josh Chiplett and the rest of the 78 crew are able to overcome that pit road issue following stage one to help Martin Truex Jr. grab his second win of the year. After the win, Truex talked about where his team stacks up against the other NASCAR heavyweights. The things that we've had to battle back from to keep finishing in the top five, it's hard to do. We had 91 quality passes at Charlotte. It was way more than anybody else had to finish second. In the last run of the race, we were the fastest car on the racetrack. So we've had more battles this year. We've had more adversity. Last year, I felt like things just, it was almost like we couldn't do anything wrong. Um, this year, we've had, a, we've had to really work a lot harder for it, but I feel like we're still right there. And today was a perfect example. Martin Truex Jr. has two wins and 13 playoff points this season. His nine top five finishes this year tied for second most in the Cup Series. And despite three DNFs in 2018, Truex still averaging a 10th place finish. It seems to me that the 78 team loves having a chip on their shoulder. They used a lot of motivation from that. It's us against the world. And now you hear Martin Truex Jr. echoing a similar sentiment this time around. Yeah, I mean, an average of 10th place finish is kind of slouching for those guys compared to how dominant they were last year and that dominance is something we're seeing out of the four team right now on uh, intermediate tracks and the way that martin talked about the way we've had to battle back to get to top fives it does seem like he's resentful that they've had struggles you know him and cole have this sort of similar stoic ish personality i see cole in the garage and i gotta like slap him on the chest to be like how are you doing today man because he'll just look straight ahead at you so i see this sort of champions entitlement where it's like no we're just as good as we always were and there's no reason that we're not winning five races right now so there's definitely this sort of chip-ish entitlement on him you know what i was thinking i'd love to sign up for his bad year <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can I have Most that? Too? Drivers would. You know, if I, if I could just have his problems, I'd, I'd be a pretty happy guy. But you know, and that's the thing. But because, as you just said, they've been so successful last year, we've seen what they can do when they are in domination form, and how he can go to a mile and a half and just crush everyone. We've seen what he did at the Coke 600 a couple years ago. And and it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. And so I think that's what they're used to. That's what they want. Because it's funny, when you think about where Martin Truex Jr. was just a couple years ago and was struggling to run top 20, and then he's a champ, and now he demands that they find <laughs> themselves in victory lane every time. Yeah. Well, I, I think the big difference maker there is Cole Pern and that crew chief that's on board. And that he can make it happen for him. Definitely. I think everybody is certainly putting him in the camp of the triumvirate to watch heading into the playoffs after a strong performance this weekend. Up next, NHL Live getting you ready for game four of the Stanley Cup between the Cats and Golden Knights. We'll see you tomorrow. Enjoy. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.